Hey everybody, I'm Jeff Peterson and this is Fueling the Tank. And today, thank you, round of applause. Today, I have an old friend of mine, college buddy uh, with me. His name is Dwight Larkin. And you know, as far as what, what he's up to nowadays, he's kind of a financial guy. So whenever I have like money questions, like I'll, I'll like shoot him a text and like, hey, what should I do? Uh, you know, is this, is this stupid? Is this smart? Like, you know, I want to be a millionaire, a, a billionaire. I want to be a billionaire. How do I go about it? But who cares about like that part of things. I mean, that's, that's like, that's like all of a sudden you're already, you're already that, and you're already kind of in that career. But really what I want to do is find out like a little bit more about who you are, how you think. Cause I, I knew you back when we were just, you know, honestly, yeah, yeah. Drinking, drinking in college. (laughs) So, so I want to find out a little bit more about you personally. Cause you know, some questions that I've never even like taken the time to ask. And, and the funny thing is, I, I think there's so many times that we don't ask even our best friends, like where they were in grade school, high school, what their, where their heads were at, how they got to where they are. We just kind of take the moments in time that we meet somebody and then develop a friendship or routine around that. And, you know, I, you know, I, I sit here and, and I think to myself how much I've changed through the years and, and, and how that, some of that stuff doesn't even get kind of brought up to a circle of friends or family. And we keep so much close to our chest. So I want to just get to know you a little bit better. So welcome. Perfect. Welcome to the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're like, okay, wait, That's is this weird? Yeah. Is, 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 it, is this a psychotherapy session? What exactly did you get me into, Peter? So, so welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, you're holding a guitar, number one. Yeah. And found a new friend. Yeah. What's, what's funny is I walk into the podcast and, you know, obviously we're, we're here at the podcast studio at interstate music. And while he was waiting for me to show up in the room, he got bored and he he decided to go grab a guitar. And I tuned it for you. That's wonderful. I I can only imagine (laughs) how out of tune it probably was just sitting out there. And, and it's funny because part of what I didn't know about you, certainly back when we knew each other in college is I had no idea that you had anything to do with music or band or anything. Because I didn't. D- now, did you do anything in high school around music? Sure. So uh, so, that, so part, you already lied yeah. to me. Uh, no, no. Uh, that was <laughs> Great my... way to start a podcast, White. <laughs> All right. So, no, I, I started as a musician in fourth grade. So I wanted to be a drummer. And I said to my dad, hey, band is starting. Can I be a drummer? He said, drums is not an instrument. No way. Yeah, I because said, he didn't want to listen to it. Exactly. He didn't have a whole bunch of shit laying all over the place. Exactly. He wasn't it. having that. Yeah. So then I said, well, I've always liked the trumpet. Can I get a trumpet? He goes, look, your older brother had the saxophone and he quit it. If you want to be in band, here's your instrument. And I was like, well, I don't want to play the saxophone. But I, I ended up loving it. I played all the way through high school. Uh, went to Denmark and Sweden uh, to play. We literally played in front of the Queen of Denmark. All right. So he, I, I had no idea you played saxophone. Yes. E flat alto, B flat tenor, and jazz. Right. And you? <laughs> I, okay. Funny thing is, I was also a saxophone player. Dude. Fourth grade, I had my choice of picking instruments. Never, ever thought about being a drummer in any way, shape, or form. Because when I looked at it, I looked at it as left hand, right hand, doing different things. Yes. And I'm like, you know, I could do this, <laughs> but try to like do like fast here and s- slow there. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't 
it was impossible. So I'm like, I'm never going to be able to figure that out. And fourth grade, I made the decision. I didn't have that skill set. So then I looked at all the other options and I saw the saxophone. And I'm like, that looks so cool. Yeah, it was. It is. So yeah, that's how I made my determination that I was going to do it because, you know, back then, you know, parents are just like, oh, you should, you should pick up an instrument because everybody's probably thinking, oh, it's really good for learning and, you know, it gets works that part of your brain and all this other artistic, you know, chatter. So I grab the saxophone and I start it. I start going to music lessons and I'm staring at like trying to learn how to read music. Sure. No, dude. Like that was like hieroglyphics, like, and it stayed hieroglyphics for me. So I would like literally fake, like I was playing in the, in the band, you know, lesson part with the other kids. And I just faked it because I couldn't read anything. And I got through like a few weeks, four weeks of it. And then all of a sudden I had started breaking into like private sessions and I'm like, I'm out. Peterson is out. I have no clue what's going on. So I started and quit saxophone within weeks because a, it was heavy to lug around. Yeah, it was pretty heavy. Um, and then B, it was just, I could not get myself to care about what music looked like to read. Yeah. Well, you and Stevie Ray Vaughan, I mean, he never learned to read music. But then I didn't, I also didn't go to a guitar and decide to, to be a fantastic blues, yeah. you know, vocalist. And, the best. Yeah, the best. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So what would you say that experience gave you? Because you didn't just kind of play sax. You obviously took it to a high level. I took it. I went all in on it. I took it really seriously. Um, I loved it and developed a friend group, a community in the band. Sure. We were all band nerds. Um, yeah, well, you were a quarterback. On the I was a football team, so, nerd. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I look at any group that you put so much effort and time into is yeah. a nerd, you know, type of a thing. It, you know, is society should just look at every group as a nerd because the, the word nerd to me always means really deep into something, really good, really good right. and deep into something and really right. caring about it. And that, yeah, I'm a nerd that way. Um, so I, you know, I, I've always kind of looked at, you know, the band and I've I've always looked at musicians. Period as like something I I wish I could have been. Yes, but I I'm like but mm. but now you own a music company so yeah right <laughs> right it makes no sense and and I still I I still don't think I'd ever be able to read music. I challenge I'll challenge you on that one. I think you could. I'll take that challenge. Yeah. Maybe I'll try. You should. I should try. I've got all this extra time. But what music did for me and I I was thinking a lot about this on the way over um, is that it taught me to be a good listener so great musicians i've i've so over the years i've met a lot of musicians who are awesome at their craft but they're not good listeners so they would always be the person who could pick up the guitar and just like impress the you know what audio yeah but if you ask them to sit in a room and listen to the drummer tick off four and go in they wouldn't be able to do it because they're they don't have that listening gene finely honed okay um and that has been the greatest influence in my life from being a musician to being a corporate guy to being a servant leader yeah. of people. Uh, servants and great listeners become great leaders. You have, you have always been a servant. You've always been a great listener and you are a great leader. Thank uh, you for that. Absolutely. People who are into themselves and say, hey, just look at me, look at how awesome I am and watch this. They don't tend to, and, and I did notice a, a strong correlation on this when I was in the corporate world. 
the people who are like, how can I help you? And like, we've talked together. Yeah. How can I help you? Maybe I can, maybe I know somebody who can help you better, but right. I'm still being a resource for you, a right. caring resource. Yeah. It all comes from listening and listening comes from being a musician. When did that, when did those two dots connect for you in tying it back to music and, you know, that, when did that connect for you? That's, that's an awesome question, Jeff. For me, it was, we were doing a diversity and inclusion. This is weird. It's a weird connection. Yeah. Diversity and inclusion class and talking about unconscious bias and people who are biased against other people. And in talking with the small group, I came to the realization that, I mean, and this is not about me. This is about, I think, a lot of musicians. I don't really have that because, like, when I was growing up and I went from the saxophone to literally I can play anything now except the piano. Because of lessons or no, self-taught? I was self-taught. So saxophone was the only instrument that you actually went through the course of learning right. lessons, right. you know, maybe private lessons, et cetera. Right. But other than that, everything else was fed off of what you learned in that way no completely separate uh so i can read saxophone music and i just read the music with everything else i've never learned i don't know how to read guitar music i don't know how to read even drum tabs i just learned them uh the mandolin the banjo uh i can't play piano i'm not that good the piano player is only the best he's the he or she is the most talented person in every band i always say that because they insane. were the they were the nerd whose mom and dad said, "Go to your piano." That's <laughs> exactly what happened. Uh, it's like, oh man, I I had friends of mine that were, but you know, literally when we'd go over to their house just to hang out as kids, we always asked him to get on the piano and play. So it was that's why kind of I I I, I when I brought up the nerd thing, yeah, as much as kids when they're doing different focused, you know, crafts or learning or lessons in this and that, you know, Parent that, mandated yeah, all of that stuff, whether it's, <laughs> whether it's the arts or whatever, they, you know, sometimes they just felt like, oh gosh, my friends aren't doing that. They're out there playing basketball or they're, they're at the park or they're right. swimming or doing right. fun stuff. And I'm sitting here having to learn this. The crazy thing is even back then we would sit in their living room and say, hey, can you play that Journey song? And we oh. would watch him play it and be mesmerized and impressed totally. and all at that point be like, man, I wish I could do that. And it's it's a big part. And and that's a great lesson too, that that's the, that's the result. Right. The basis was all the work. Right. That he found the center C and, and did the work and maybe some of it was parent mandated for sure. all of us, I think, right? Sure. But along the way, you find your own path. Right. And sometimes that parent mandate is the start of it, but you find your own path and you find what you love. And I know we've talked about this before that people in their careers, if you do what you love, you're going to be really good at it and the money will follow. Don't chase money. That's, right. There's no point. That's a third grade error. Right. Right. And, I, and I, I've often thought to myself, and I've said this, you know, upon occasion, I don't know if it's been on a podcast or a video I've done. I, I don't know, but I've always kind of thought to myself, if we're going to be told we have to do something for whatever reason, whether sure. it's work related, whether it's uh, parents saying you're learning the piano because I know better than you and you're going to appreciate this another day, or whether it's like golf lessons or whatever. If 
you are in a situation that you're having to put that time aside, whether you're wanting to or not wanting to, but have to. There is absolutely no logic to cutting any corner, corner, corners whatsoever if you're having to do it. Right. So if you're taking piano lessons because somebody's making you, <laughs> what's the point of doing what I did and faking your way through? I should be a saxophone player right now. I should have, I should have taken the time because I was sitting there anyways. I should have taken the time to ask for additional help, try to learn what I was there to do. And I think it's hard for us to be there, but I think it's important for us to say, think about, think about all the things that we went back on and half-assed and we spent the same amount of time as if we would have full-assed it. But I would challenge you on that, Peterson. Oh, here we go. So here's why. Okay. So, I love, I love to be challenged. I know it and me too. <laughs> and I think that's great, yep. but we all have those things that we half-assed. Yes. Right. Because yes. we didn't really love it at our core. True. And that allowed you to move on to something else that you did love. True. But why do I wish I knew how to play the saxophone? So I don't bad? know. <laughs> I've got one in the basement. I'll bring it over. Next I, time. Oh, I, I've got saxophones. I just, no, I, I'm sure you do. I look at him like, oh my God. I say that to the guy that owns the music. I just, it's, I just sit there and I, I'm like, how do you even see? I mean, there's so much to it. So it's, I found, I found it's, uh, it's a great lesson on the, the movement of your fingers. Yeah. And the aperture and the, the, you you developed this big callus under your lip from the pressure over oh, the years. Oh, it's sexy. It sounds so oh, sexy. Oh, God, it was awful. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to talk anymore about that. Um, but what it did, so like then when I learned the drums, the big thing with a drummer is your body organically wants your right foot and your right hand to do the same thing and your left foot and your left hand. That's not how the drums works. You've got to, your four appendages have to work in uh, separation. And there's actually something in your brain, and I did learn this from a drummer guy, that clicks and it does like if i go to that drum set right. i could just play it that never goes back to oh i can't figure out how to separate right and right and left and left likewise when you play the guitar some songs are easy uh, because they're syncopated so she grew up in an indiana town had a good looking mama who never was around is easier than i'm gonna fight him off a seven nation army couldn't hold me back because it's very different. Yes. In timing. Yes. But I learned that from playing the saxophone. The timing start, yeah. side of it. Yeah. Isn't, I mean, and so you're going back. And when I said, when did you connect the two dots? And you said that it was in. Diversity and diverse, Yeah. Because I realized that being a musician, I always just listened. I didn't, unless, so, unless the guy laughed like, <laughs> all the time, or he had really bad body odor sure that's a non-starter you can't be in a band with a guy like that <laughs> right or right, here's some deodorant right, you're really right. good use this right right uh unless you have those outliers you don't really care what someone looks like you don't care if it's a man or a woman you don't care what what their background is nothing right no how good are you at playing that bass part are you the best are you on the bubble are you the worst if it's the best let's go right all i care about is how you sound right and that allowed me to kind of sidestep a lot of those other pieces because I grew up as a musician. I felt that way, at least in my heart. Uh, and then also I realized, wow, it's, I've never been the best musician. I've never, I'm probably shy at the tip of the bubble even, but I am really good at listening. So I've slid into a lot of bands and a lot of different 
uh, roles because listening in life and business, right. right. In relationships. Right. Is more important than almost anything. And most, if, if you, and, listen, and people are going to want you around if they feel as though they have your ear and you care about what they're saying, what they're doing, what they're playing, what their purpose is, what they're all of it. Right. If they, if they, people just generally want to be around somebody that's more that way than just telling them, uh, you, you screwed that up, you know, fix that, you know, that type that's of a thing. Um, so I, it makes sense. The other thing that kind of, you were just talking about timing, Yeah. you know, the timing of not just a song, not just a lyric, not just a, a beat or a strum of a guitar, just timing period in life is it starts to kind of fit. When did you start to feel the timing of you being a musician wasn't exactly what you were going to do forever and you were going to put it in its place? Yeah. Of where where it, it fit into your life and uh, so that you could still love it, still be passionate about it, but still understand these other things. The timing was now for that. Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. Uh, the the guy who was the band instructor at Carroll wanted me to play saxophone, but I'd started in fourth grade and I like I was all in on it, like I said. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't want to do it anymore. Right. I I left it at home. I didn't even bring it up. Yeah. And, uh, that was before I learned to play all this other stuff. Right. And I learned it. So I was, a, so I wanted to be a drummer yeah. in fourth grade. Yeah. So, uh, when I was in the fraternity, the guy whose room was next door was at the drum instructor. Okay. So he gave me keys to the drum room. So between classes, I'd go down there and work on YYZ by Rush or whatever. Sure. I didn't start with that. No. Uh, <laughs> you started. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, I dropped it. Right. Yep. Again. Uh, and then, uh, Gordon Gano from the violent femmes. I don't know if you remember this. He was dating a girl who had lived in Swarthout hall. Yes. Yes. He and his bandmate came to Carol one weekend and they were playing and singing. And so they were already national, right. international stars. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there were like 200 people who jammed into the little common area at Swarthout to listen to him. And I'm walking back to fourth floor steel where we were. Yeah. And I'm like. How can I get 200 people to come listen to me play YYZ on the drums? What's the probability of that? <laughs> Zero I. point zero. <laughs> right. Not I. Not I. No. So I walked down the street to this place called Mike's Music and I paid $80 for an old maiden Korean Fender acoustic. Yeah. I thought I still have. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, so what were you when, you, when you were in college, I, to, to be honest, I have no idea what, like your, what you went to school for. I, I, I never... I don't think I ever asked anybody what the hell they were there for other than, Hey, what are we doing tonight? Right. You know, that's type normal. of a thing. It's, I think that's it normal. is, it is yeah. normal. It's point so, time. so, which is kind of cool to, you know, I get a chance in, in podcasts like this to try to almost go back to yeah. old friends and, and get to know them better. I mean, so that's part of what this is, but, um, what were you thinking you wanted to do? What was like intriguing educationally? Yes. Uh, so I was a theater and art double major when I started. Okay, so does that come from being in the band, loving the arts? I, uh, it's, I was heavily involved in theater. As well? Uh, as well. Okay. So I, I sang in church choir. Um, I was really, our family's very musical and theatrical. But you, you also ran cross country, right? Yeah. 
And you did that at Carroll? I did. Uh, track. Just track. Track. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it's always been, I've always considered it a gift to be able to do it. And now when we go to Green Lake, you know, I always bring the guitar because sure. after a couple of drinks, my buddy's like, all right. Just I, like I, I used gotta, to say to my buddy, hey, play that journey song. Right. I got a play right. I got a playlist. Yeah. All right. Look the and I just I know all on. the words to this song. Play this. Right. Because I want right. to sing. It's live yeah. karaoke. I call right. it live karaoke. And everybody has a great time. Yep. And so so as you kind of developed through college with that for your major minor. Uh I switched. When? <laughs> so after freshman year. I uh, went to work. I think I saw you there. I was at Northbrook Mall. Okay. Uh, I was at the Gap, I think it was. Okay. And my boss had, was a Carroll University grad who was an art double theater. At double Northbrook major Court? At Northbrook Court. No kidding. No kidding. So I said to my dad, I'm like, man, I don't want to manage a Gap okay. when I'm done with school. He goes, right. well, you're heading in the right direction. <laughs> Heading in the right direction to manage to a manage gap. A gap. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And oh. and I said, Well, what should I do? He said, Well, you should switch your major to business. And I said, Well, what about marketing? I like ads and I can draw them and it'd be great. And he goes, No. Marketing budgets is the first thing they get cut in bad times. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Learn, learn investments, learn numbers, learn learn the business from a numbers perspective. I mean, really it's, solid, it's advice. solid advice, solid advice, solid advice, solid uh, advice. And, and I took it. So I did, I did what he said. Uh, he was helping me pay for school. So there was that sort of an influencer piece. Yeah. yeah. Leverage. Let's Lever call it leverage. That was a lot of leverage. leverage. Not influence. That was leverage. a lot of leverage. Yep. Yep. So you're absolutely correct. Leverage. And I was so excited to come back on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, by Happy the way. Happy Thanksgiving, yeah. Uh, and tell him how much I hated business class. But I couldn't because I loved it. The numbers all made sense. So to you me. actually did like it. I love. I didn't like it. I loved it. Yeah. The numbers all made sense. I took summer school every year to catch up because I was a sophomore going sure. into one on one classes. Yep. yep. I took investments the summer after uh, sophomore year. I stayed at Carroll and took investments at summer school. That was the greatest summer ever. I learned to read the Wall Street Journal, like really read it. I learned what those numbers mean when you see them. Yeah. And, and, and not just the number itself and not just from a supply demand standpoint or a, or a, a movement of, of underlying price. W what does it mean? What are, what are quarterly estimates? What are quarterly earnings? All this really geeky stuff. Right. Nerd. Yeah. Geek. Right. Yeah. But you become a nerd and a geek when you love something. Yes, absolutely. Totally it could be agree. anything. I totally agree with that. So... That kind of brought you into what you ended up doing totally as a career. Totally. So you graduate, you go on to start doing. Went down to the Chicago Board of Trade. Uh, started as a runner, making so minimum you, wage. You, I mean, that's like going, like taking your career and your your education and everything, and just kind of going to battle. Yeah. I mean that that is not that is a war room of sorts and, and yeah. yeah i mean yeah. absolutely insanity loved it. I, I loved it yeah you gotta you have to love it otherwise yeah. you go home and, and you hear about it all the time you go home and you can't handle the level of stress that is because every minute is a stressful minute it is so how did you manage through loving the numbers 
and dealing with the pressure of the numbers and, and kind of battling through that because a lot of people just, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and, you know, tell war stories, but I mean, a lot of people turn to situations to try to have them forget about how stressful their day was. Yes. Um, and that's, it's, it's a higher level of people that run through that and that type of environment in that world back then. Yes. I mean, as soon as they're done, they were hitting the bars or with be, all their or buddies. usually before. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that too. And so how did you take your passion and love of what the numbers were, what they meant, but get through the pressure of it? Yeah. Luck. It was luck. Uh, I didn't know that I'd love it. Right. And that's why I always tell you know, younger people when they're, when I'm coaching them, try, try different things because you don't know what you love or incrementally love even more, right? right? You say, hey, I think I love this. But if it's the only thing you've ever done, how do you really know? Right. Right. Try different things. Yep. Uh, I lasted 10 years. Most people last two and a half months. Right. It, it, for me, it was, for me, I, I was lucky. So I got in with a great proprietary options trading group. I like situations where I can't figure it out, which is why I still love the stock market because you can't figure it out. Right. Why, why, why do you like that? <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate being in an environment of chaos. Uh, I, I do. I, I appreciate being in an environment where you can't figure out your job. Like if I can figure but out my role. you have to get role, through your job. You have to. You have to figure it out to as, build the plane while yeah. it's in the air. Yeah. Okay. And the other, the biggest thing being at the Board of Trade taught me was how to keep my head, keep my cool when everybody else is losing theirs. Right. And it that has helped me. I cannot tell you how many times in my life, both personally and professionally. Well, and and just because I know you personally. I know how much that's probably helped so many people around you having you be that person for them. Thank you. You know, because I, it really, you could have gone a lot of directions because you're so good with caring about people, which could have, you know, it could have taken you. you down, you know, that whole world, which I think you would have absolutely loved that too, because you've incorporated so much of your personal experience and your knowledge into caring about people's personal lives, not just their financial stability sure. um, and that they're making the right decisions and taking your advice and going with it because you've done the research and you know, and they came to you because they don't know. So why are you not listening to me? Damn it. Um, you understand their viewpoints and what you're presenting. Correct. Yeah. It, I mean, it's all about people. It's all about being able to read people. It's all about listening. Yep. Being a good listener. That's it's there's 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 moments in time and in our lives where we simply take what we know what our past experiences are and we start to just care more about the people around us versus ourselves and and it just makes it more fun more yes. enjoyable um yes it it definitely makes it harder because by taking on and caring about others, that's a lot more responsibility that you're taking on yourself. You bring the burden to you. Bring, you. Yeah, you bring burden on or, yeah, but but you also bring a lot of that joy. The joy. Yeah. Absolutely. So. And, and that's something I think for us it has become, at least, I won't, let me ask you, for you, has that become easier over the years? Yeah. Wow. 
really good question, and I'm going to give a really honest answer. Please. Um, no. It hasn't been, it hasn't gotten easier for, I, it's very easy for me to do it, but it's gotten more because of the volume that it's, it's more stuff. It's more stuff. Yeah. So that's, what's made it harder on me personally. I, I'm always, I, I, I can be an asshole. You yeah. know, I can, I can like not be there for somebody when I'm not recognizing they need me to be there. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination. Nobody is. But I legitimately want to be, care to be, seek out options and possibilities of me to be. And I think the more my circle and network has grown because of my career, because of my responsibilities to the business, and then other people's business and representing their businesses. Because when the circle grows and you still care the same way, so when you ask me, has it gotten easier? The answer right away, without me thinking about it, was no. Um, but that's not going to stop me. I think that's awesome. And I, I remember years ago when we were at the other uh, Geneva supply office and most of the time that we talked, we talked about the families and I all uh, that not most of the people that I met, like this is my son or this is my uncle or my brother and people loved what you, the good things you did for them and they brought their family in and you embraced all of them. And that's so exceptional as a business for a business owner. It just, gosh, I, I wish it wasn't exceptional. I wish it was just normal. And I think for a lot of people, it's normal in the, just the way they are and the way that they, that they do things. Um, I just, I would not want to come to work and not love the people I work with. But that's, that's awesome and unusual. And I, I meet with yeah. a lot of business owners for a living. Yeah. And most business owners say, here's, here's revenue stream A, here's revenue stream B, here's the EBITDA, here's this, here's that, we're <laughs> acquiring here. And when I met you at Geneva Supply the first time, you were like, this is John. Yeah. And John does this, and John's awesome, and John smiled ear to ear, and then John introduced me to his nephew or whatever. I can't right. remember all sure. the families. Yeah, right. But that's that's what makes you a great business owner. And I'm not trying to kiss your ass. That's no, the last no, I know, thing. I know, I know that you would not do that. That is the last thing I, I want to do. I know you would not do that. But it's a it's a great way. It's a great philosophy that I could see. I can see how it's mm -hmm. got. It could get harder over the years, and probably is for you because you still care just like you did before. But I know at our age now, there's a lot more to care about and care for. Right. And where I, I think it it comes down to where do you find yourself you know, balancing it all. Where, where do you find the balance in your life? You know, you've gone through hard times. You know, you, you lost your brother sure. that you were unbelievably close to. Yes. Where do you find the balance in like, Hey, what about me? Cause you know, it, I'm not going to lie. I can, I can sit there and I, I would say a lot of people think everything's just fine with Jeff Peterson because part of my responsibility is making sure everybody feels everything's okay with Jeff Peterson, you know, because you can't, I, I, for whatever reason, I don't think I can put myself in a position to be strong for somebody else. If I come in in a weak position, now I'll share 
when it when it's personal and it gets to a point i'll share my challenges with people because they i can't just be like you know oh i've got everything figured out because i don't um and i'm willing to share and open and be open to that but where do you find that balance personally sure that's a great question well with my brother i decided at the funeral that going forward i would only think of good things that i would be living with this for all of my life right, and instead right. of going woe is me yep just think about the good stuff and just as as i feel it's my job to be an influencer and i don't mean an instagram influencer right, but right. influence others in a positive way right be a, a positive support channel for other people i have to bring joy to if my job is to bring joy to others and part of it is i feel in my life because you know, you know what the you know what the greatest factor in the number of people that'll be at all of our funerals is what's the number one factor in the attendance of a funeral i mean the the food after the weather <laughs> it's the weather well that's sad it's not though <laughs> it's not so i have to i have to plan this out then well <laughs> If you have good food, if you if you if you if you put the menu, what about an open bar? Email, yes, open bar is going to offset trumps, a thunderstorm, right? Anyone will show up. Right, open bar, open hundred miles away. Out there, open bar. But honey, it's a hundred bar. It's an open bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, that's great. Is it yeah. a wedding? No, not yeah, exactly. It's, but it's an it's open a celebration. Bar. Yeah, it's a celebration. But but it, but bringing joy and and feeling joy in your own heart, despite. You know, it's it's not all unicorns and roses, right? No. Life life is really really hard. It's really hard, and it's it doesn't it doesn't stop. Get nope. it? It's does, hard moments happen no matter what, and you can't figure it out, and you don't know what's coming. It's going to hit you differently, and sometimes you don't know what's going to hit you to make it hard. Right. You know, it could have nothing to do with you, and it could have some th something to do with somebody else that's close to you that you didn't expect it to hit you a certain way. I mean, it is what it is. But I I love the point about you know, when you said, you know, at your brother's funeral that you just decided to think about, you know, the happy, the the positive, that side of it. Right. I tell people all the time and, and you know, when somebody close to them passes away, if it's a family member or a parent or whatever, because my dad passed away in 2012. And this is, this is crazy that you said what you said, because it hit me immediately. That day, I immediately started to smile because he went through cancer so the whole process of it was it's hellacious to watch somebody go through that and I, I i've often told people it in a selfish way it's like that's the way i needed him to go because it gave me the time to talk to him about things i just felt i needed to that i probably hadn't at that time in my life yet express my feelings it was it's so selfish to be glad that it wasn't like, oh my gosh, you know, got hit by a car, he's gone, just right. immediate. No, no, no closure, no closure, say, all that. Goodbye. So in a selfish way, I've, I've, I've looked back and I'm like, in a selfish way, that was like a blessing to me in a weird, crazy way because of all that, but awful for him. But the day of his funeral, I started to smile. I started to laugh, cry, happy, because I didn't ever, I haven't once from the day that he passed away 
to now, I have not once thought about a fight we had. Never, th- I've, I haven't thought about an argument. I haven't thought about a di- just a difference in a. I haven't thought about any of that. Like from that day on, and I've told people, you know, now's when all the good memories are going to start to flow. Right. Stuff that you didn't even remember was a great memory. Right. Let it be. Let it hit you. Cry, smile, laugh. Because that's that's what life is. It's a whole bunch of memories. Yes. And if we sit there and focus on the bad ones, right? Like, what's the point? Exactly. So no, I totally agree. And, and and I like I just realized right now I've I've not once gone back and thought of a shitty moment with my dad. That's since awesome. He passed. That's a win. A huge win. And I guess yeah. I mean, and we had a good relationship. Not phenomenal. Not terrible. We had our back and forth like human beings do and parents and with kids but yeah wow that so that just you saying that made me think all the way back to that and 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 you're right and and it's not easy to you know if you know some people just can't flush that out i agree with that i it's difficult for a lot of people i think but once once again when you're thinking about other people and not yourself which you're good at uh, I think it makes it easier. I, I feel like that with me as well has made it easier because I get I get juiced about helping other people more than I get juiced about yeah. helping myself. Yep. Uh, and so I think it makes it easier for people like us, but I don't know. I have no idea. I just, the, and my brother was ALS, so it was the same thing. Yesterday right. was always a better day than today. Yep. And it was just going to get worse every right. day. Right. And there was no way out. Right. So... Part of that was when he passed, I knew he wasn't in pain anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so what's next? What's exciting? What do you care most about? I mean, I know you're a big hockey guy and your kids and coaching. And sure. I mean, I see, I, I, when I see those pictures, that's, that's the shit. I mean, I love that stuff. I had some, uh, somebody that, um, I work with that, you know, manufacturer that we handle was just telling me that the, Hey, you know, you're from Glenview. We were just at the Park Center and won the father-son free throw competition and uh, two years in a row. And and he's like, it was like, we were just talking about how are we going to hit, you know, X millions of dollars in business by the end of the year. And, you know, we've got to do this. We've got to figure this out. This, But at the end of the conversation, that was that was the only thing the two of us cared about was, was that moment in time for him and his, his son. And, you know, the rest of it is it's business. It's important. We'll figure it out, but right. it really wasn't what shined on the conversation. Right. It's, it's, it, I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. And, uh, it's the, the circle of yeah. what's your why. Yep. And I think that's so powerful. Uh, so many people in business make the mistake or especially when they're early in the business. Let me, let me impress upon you how much of a genius I am. Right. Like throw up on you with all this stuff and you, you and I, as consumers, hear the first three words, and then, like, I'll tell people, I'm like, I wish I had gotten off that elevator. I'd actually, I'd get off on a floor that isn't mine just to get away from that. Right, and take the stairs, seven floors. Right. Nobody <laughs> nobody cares about how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. And, I mean, for my why, why my why is my wife, Renee, and my three kids, not the dog, but, you know, oh, he's, he's know. such a pain. Yeah, well. uh, he's cute, though. <laughs> I tell him every day. It's a good thing you're cute. Right. Um, but he tells, me, he tells me the same thing. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> we weren't supposed to say that. We weren't saying that. Yeah, we're saying it. <laughs> um, 
But I think as a as a business person, the business conversation is get it when you get to that person's why, whether that's a supplier, whether that's a client, when you get to connect with that person at that level, the business is ancillary. Right. But if you just focus on, hey, I can get you five basis points more, that's a transaction. Then you become a commodity. Right. And as the next person who goes, hey, I can make you six, you're out. Completely. Hate that. Hate that part of it. I know it. If you could, and, and we'll kind of finish up with this. And sure. I don't finish up any podcast a certain way, but <laughs> the direction this is, this is going, I kind of want to, and then I want you to just kind of play us, play us out as at the end. Oh, so just, okay. I mean, you're just holding up fucking guitar. So I want you to do it. Um, if you could just do anything right now for the rest of your life, now you've got bills to pay, you've got responsibilities and accountabilities. So take that into this. It's sure. not just like, oh, I want to go count leaves on trees, you know, and, you know, that's your numbers guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like you have to, it has to be something that you think, you know, if you could get really good or something, you're still taking on responsibilities. So sure. it's not some dream world. What is it that you would love to do and be every day for you? That makes you happy and still accountable for responsibilities. Not some yeah. dream world, but like, what would you love to do? Love to count leaves on trees. No, I knew uh, it. I knew it. Yeah, you nailed it. I nailed you it. nailed it. Uh, not a big arbor guy, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, right now I get to help younger advisors as they're building their financial services practice. So there's the hey, let me learn about you. Let me help you in the way that you want to be helped. Right. Yep. So. In that sleeve, some, some people are motivated by money, some people aren't. Right. So how do you help people get to where they should be in their way, not my way? Okay. And then there's the numbers piece that, I mean, it's still the stock market and the bond market and all that other stuff. So that's you're loving it. what you're doing right yes, now. Yes, absolutely. Is it the side hustles, the side passions that round you out and that's why you're doing them? <sighs> I, I enjoy I enjoy the music thing. Mm -hmm. So that that is if that's what you mean, yeah. that's a side hustle. Side it's, passion, uh, yeah, it's a side passion. I've always loved playing hockey. I grew up playing for the Deerfield Falcons. And um, shout out Deerfield yeah, Falcons. Do they Deerfield. still exist? They, they exist? do. Nice. They do. Wow. Yeah, I, I was down there for a meeting Falcons. a couple months ago, and I went by Centennial, which is actually in Highland Park. Yeah, and that they were they're blowing it up. So unbelievable. Yeah, I love them. programs like that that just have that longevity in communities. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the impact, if you could sit there and kind of just show the impact of the number of kids that have been part of something. I mean, yes. that's, it's so powerful. Yes. So you're, you're in a good place. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Lucky, for you. lucky, fortunate, blessed. Everybody has a different word for it. Yep. Thumbs up. Well, I want to thank you for being part of the, uh, Feeling Tank podcast and, thank you, you know, just getting a chance to know you better, getting a chance to. Uh, you know, share your journey, share your story, share your points, because I think so many of us, you know, benefit from hearing other people's views on things. And that's, that's what I'm hoping people are getting uh, from the variety of people that I bring onto the show and, and everything else. So do me a favor, strum your, your favorite tune and, and I'm going to kind of just close it out here. I've never okay. had closeout music, so I don't, what are you going to, don't, don't play anything you play at my funeral. 
That will be in June, open bar, by the way. I'll be there. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening to this. Is, I mean, it's like, can you hype it up a little bit? Jesus. Oh, yeah, bring really? some. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to thank everybody for being listening here to the Fueling the Tank podcast. My guest today was Dwight Larkin, guitarist extraordinaire. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this was Fueling the Tank. That's Dwight. And Peterson is 